My name is Allie Williamson, and I'm excited to share my story here with you guys today. Um, the Bible says that this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you, whom you have sent. I love that little phrase, know you, because it tells me that God is relational, and he wants to be known by us. And I've spent the last 17 years of my life pursuing a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus. The other day, I told Chad that I'm the last type of person that I'd want to um, try and evangelize. And what I mean by that is I have lived a very privileged life. I am the only child. I have a mom and dad who love each other and me. I earned good grades. I rode horses for all my childhood. I went to concerts. We spent time on the river. And I've been to Hawaii literally more times than I can count. And even when there were fights, they were met with forgiveness. And when we experienced loss, it was met with laughter. And when I disappointed my parents, they met me with hugs and encouragement. Not too short of idyllic. I was praised by my parents, my teachers, and my friends for being nice and kind, a good person. I've never had a need that wasn't met by someone that I loved. So I thought, when I was talking to Chad, it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't have needs that they need Jesus. But I have a memory from when I was in elementary school. I walked into my parents' room one morning. I climbed in bed in between them, and the light streamed through the windows, and I just felt the love and fullness of that moment. It felt almost complete. And I say almost because I just had like a, a longing feeling and I went through all the things that I had. Um, what did I need? Ah, I realized. The only thing that I could think of that I wanted but I didn't have was a dog. I didn't know it then, but for me, I think that is the first memory I have of God actually pursuing me. During the first week of college, I met my first born-again Christian friend. It was spring my freshman year at JMU when everything blew up with a guy that I was dating, and I went to my friend's dorm, and I sat down, and I told my sob story, and he asked me this question that changed my life. He asked, what is your relationship like with God? And I remember thinking, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> when, I, when I saw that that was actually where this conversation was going, I didn't know how to begin to answer his question. Um, it was as if someone asked me to describe a boat, but I'd never seen the ocean. I grew up Catholic, and even though we had stopped going to church when I was young, I could say, and I think I actually did say, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. But relationship, daily thoughts, and movement toward God, not really part of my vocabulary and not part of my heart's desire, and definitely not something that I understood or was able to articulate. The power, the the idea of a personal God was not something that I was familiar with at all. After that night, I started going to InterVarsity at JMU, and I started reading the Bible. That summer, God took a hold of my heart, and I realized that I did actually have a need. Um, and it wasn't something that a loving family or doing good things or, or being a good person could fix. I learned by reading the Bible that I wasn't all that great, that my sin grieved and separated me from God. I needed to repent and put my trust in and follow Jesus as my Savior. Although I felt I was pretty good and, and, and 
a pretty good person in the world's standards, I learned that I, in fact, did not meet God's standards. But God made a way because he's gracious and loving, and he desires a relationship with each one of us. And so began my relationship with God. I get to know him by listening to what he says, reading the Bible. I talk to him about my thoughts and my joys and my struggles through prayer. And I remember and celebrate and sing about all the good things that he's done in my life and in in the history of the world through worship. After that summer, I transferred to USC, transferred back to JMU, met Chad, graduated, got a job at an admissions at JMU. I went to photography school, graduated photography school, started a business as a wedding photographer, and got married to Chad. In 2016, we moved to Williamsburg and decided that we wanted to start having kids. But we battled infertility for almost five years before we got pregnant. We had years of treatments and lost five babies before eight eight weeks. Waiting is hard work. Um, I would walk down to the James River um, almost daily to pray and just hope that I'd get a sign or a clear word from the Lord that this would be my time, my month, that I'd see a rainbow and think, oh, this must be it. And then another month would pass, and just like the last, I'd almost be embarrassed for getting excited. How foolish for hoping. I struggled with feeling forgotten. I knew that God was real, but I wanted him to reveal himself as personal again. Well, we got pregnant last fall, but at the 20-week ultrasound, we found out that our baby, who we had named Hannah, had a rare tumor growing off of her tailbone. And the danger wasn't so much in the tumor as it was in the fact that the tumor could pull blood away from her heart, putting her into heart failure. We spent the next four months going to Johns Hopkins for weekly tests, then bi-weekly tests, and then eventually we ended up moving to Baltimore two months before delivery. And I shared with Camper and, um, and Dennis that that was actually the day after Easter last year. And I want to be honest that this was the most overwhelming season of my life. And while I found it really easy to search Google for encouragement, I found it really hard to read my Bible. And I found it really easy to talk to my friends about my problems. But I found it really hard to pray. I didn't want the hope and let down ride again, so I relied on the prayers of others to carry me through. It seemed like we had faced challenge after challenge, like we were on this conveyor belt of all the bad things that could happen. And so many times I just wanted to yell at God, like, enough. Like, I'm over it. (laughs) It wasn't so much that God wasn't revealing himself as personal, but that I had intentionally pulled away. But God found his way to me in other ways. I experienced God's love through people who showed up to serve Chad and me like we had never known. God humbled us through the kindness of people bringing us meals, people praying over us, people fasting for weeks for our baby to be healed. Sharing our story across the world, I, I wanted everyone praying for Hannah, and I, sometimes I actually feel like that happened. <laughs> I experienced new depths in my relationship with God because of how he showed up in the very hands and feet of the people who are faithfully serving our needy souls. And even a stressed out, closed, overwhelmed, grieving Christian like me could, could tell that God was moving. Chad and I were as close as ever, and he had become the best father without even blinking. 
At 22 weeks, they offered us the opportunity to terminate the pregnancy, but for us, that really wasn't an option, and God confirmed that through just immediate peace. They told us that there was a medicine that might help slow the growth of the tumor, but it got delayed in a snowstorm, which gave the doctors time to realize that I had an issue um, that wouldn't work with the medicine. And at that time, that didn't feel like a blessing, but looking back, it seems divinely orchestrated. The one week that I actually did take the medicine, there was actually a pause in the growth of the tumor. They said that they'd be happy to see us get to 32 weeks, but Hannah stayed strong enough to make it to full term. God moved in the hearts of people we hardly knew to completely pay for our our two-month stay in Baltimore. And skipping over a bunch more God moments, we got to bring a healthy three-week-old Hannah home from the NICU. And right now, she is actually not in the nursery. (laughs) She is just having a temper tantrum out out there. (laughs) So here we are on Easter Sunday, remembering the resurrection. And why does the resurrection matter today? Especially after the year that we've had, I can say with confidence that the resurrection shows us that everyone needs Jesus. He took our punishment, died for the sins of the world, and rose again so that we can have life everlasting. The resurrection shows that God is personally invested in you. You are not forgotten. The resurrection means that you can trust God. He will go to the most creative, creative, devastatingly beautiful lengths in pursuit of a relationship with you.